the exclusive stories behind music that helped shape and change pop culture. With award-winning broadcaster and best-selling author Jesse Dillon and co-host, award-winning music and media producer Spencer Proffer, you are inside the music. This is Jesse Dillon. You are coast to coast and worldwide today, deep inside the music. You can listen to these podcasts at Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and some of the over 100 radio stations coast to coast at Stingray Music in Canada. My co-co-host today is composer, renaissance man, Emmy award-winning musical engineer, Larry Brown. Larry has a huge list of creds. From Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton, Eddie Money, Bee Gees, Olivia Newton-John, Tower of Power, to over a thousand hours of composing major television for the top networks. He's a great guy and a good friend of my co-host, Spencer Proffer. Yep. Well, Larry and I have so much mileage that you won't get to see me on screen because of it. But thank you, Jesse. It's an honor to be here with you. I think what you're doing is changing the landscape of audio and video. If we're going to see some of the work that Larry has done visually against his golden throat. And I think this is all pretty cool. And I'm kind of glad to be part of it and joining as you're riding shotgun with you. Let's go back to uh, 1979. You know, when I was, I was a disc jockey, a boss jock on a top 40 station, LG 73, you know, little history was built on the Drake format, which was started in Los Angeles 50 years ago and is still used by most top 40 radio stations today. And Ryan Seacrest is still broadcasting in a Drake format. Uh, but the UNICEF album and project came out in 1979. We played all of those tracks in top 40 radio, virtually every single track on that album was a massive hit for UNICEF. Juxtapose that with what's happening today, you know, the concert that Elton John did recently, you know, the concert that Gaga and, and the group did for The Who. I mean, it's a really interesting world today, Larry and Spencer, from when you guys created the UNICEF album to where we are today in terms of how you got that to the market. So Spencer, take us back in time with Larry and the UNICEF project, 1979. Talk to us about how that came about and how it came to market. Well, it came to market, let me back into that, through Polydor Records, which was part of Polygram, which was a multinational music organization. And I was very friendly with the senior management. And I had just come off a number one record that I had produced that Larry had engineered called Children of the Sun by Billy Thorpe, which kind of begat laser light shows around the world. And they had approached me and said, we're going to put this record together with Rod Stewart, the Bee Gees, ABBA, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, and a number of other major um, contemporary artists of the day. And there was no finer talent that I could enlist as a sidekick to from an audio and a technical as well as creative standpoint than Larry Brown. So uh, Larry had just designed and built a state-of-the-art recording studio for me called Pasha. And I just picked up the phone. I said, Larry, UNICEF, it means a lot to the world. We want to do give back. We're not going to charge any money. I'm going to donate studio time because that's what we have to do. This is us you know, 1979, we're still kind of the same guys, just moving it forward. So Larry, take it from there after you got the call. We got the call. Uh, I said, sure, it sounds like a fabulous project. Uh, of course, you know, wonderful people involved with this. Um, I said, sure, send me the tapes. 
that that's when the fun first started. <laughs> uh, I remember walking in the control room, and I expected, you know, on a show like this, uh, there would probably be 20 reels of tape, 30 reels of tape. Uh, I walk into the studio, and there is roughly close to 120 reels of tape stacked up. Wow. And every format imaginable. We had three-track tape. We had four-track tape. We had eight-track tapes. We had 16-track tapes. We had 24-track tapes. And we had 48-track tapes. And the reasoning for this was it turns out that the artists that were doing the show decided they weren't happy with their performances. Uh, they, it was fine for the broadcast, but because it was on record, they, they had performances they'd done in other places that they wanted to replace uh, with the ones they did live. Of course, the same material. Um, I mean, an example is uh, John Denver didn't like the thing he did. He sent me a tape that he cut at his home studio. I believe that was on like a track. Uh, Donna Summers, here's the one. Uh, she didn't like her performance. She sent me tapes of a concert they did at Universal Amphitheater in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, Chris Christopherson didn't like his performance. He sent me tapes that came from London. Um, and then uh, Andy Gibb, uh, I believe that was like a, a backing track that he sang to. Uh, but he had resung that. Uh, and the problem I had was this was all supposed to sound like it came out of the United Nations. Uh, and the ambiences and the rooms that these were in were completely different. Uh, the amphitheater crowd was huge. Actually, the, the crowd at, uh, at the United Nations was very, very calm. They, you know, they were, you know, because we had like dignitaries and so they weren't your boisterous kind of normal uh, rock and roll crowd. But, you know, they wanted the record to be exciting. So we had to create that. And uh, that's kind of where the craziness began. I, there'll be a picture I sent you with us with tape all over our hands and heads. We had to create these, back then, of course, we had no digital. This is all analog tape. Uh, we had to cre actually recreate a room and recreate the crowd. So what we did is we took, we would sample, we'd find on everybody's performances, uh, applause. We found uh, room tones and we created giant tape loops. This loop was maybe 20, 30 feet long. We put nails on the wall with tape reels. And we had this tape running across the studio. We had one loop that would be applause, one loop that would be laughter, one loop that would be just the room ambience. And we had these running on two or three different machines with all these tapes flighting and running all over the studio walls, going through the heads of the tape machine and mixing them together. And what we ended up doing in the actual mix on this is we ended up mixing the album to four track um, with two tracks, which is actually the sound mix of the show. And then we had another two tracks that we used, which is all the room that we created to try to make everything sound like it was all happening in the same place. So when you hear people clapping, it is from the United Nations, but it's also from Donna Summers. It's also from a few other things. Um, and when you hear people clapping in tempo along with the songs, for example, they weren't really doing that. Uh, that was a giant tape loop of the applause tape. I would bring it up to two faders on the console and write it up and down in tempo so it sounded like there was a huge crowd clapping to the music. So uh, this is kind of how we kind of pulled the wool over the eyes. And if you look closely on the back of the album cover, it'll actually say that the concert is not the actual concert. It had actually been recreated in places to try to get rid of, I guess, whatever stigma there might be of uh, people saying, hey, this isn't what actually happened at the show. Larry, so, you, you just went really inside the music. I'm just trying to remember which of the tapes that you got from whether it was Rod Stewart or ABBA 
or the Bee Gees was really intact. I don't remember which ones you thought, bingo, these are great, because I know that the Donner Summer and some of the other tapes were a little upside down and you had to you know, use your magic to recreate the sonics to give the listener the illusion that they were there. But which ones were really together? Do you remember, was it Earth, Wind and Fire? Was it, was it Earth, Wind and Fire? Uh, and I believe it was uh, God, Rod Stewart, I believe. Uh, no, he may not have been. The, no, Rod Stewart was the original tape. Uh, but we had to remix that. Uh, I don't remember all the rest. I believe some of the BG stuff was actually kind of done to tracks. Um, Larry, let's play a track. Let's, um, and we've got listeners and viewers coast to coast and around the world. I should mention a shout out to some of the radio stations that carry us in the 100 chain radio station in Canada, Stingray Music. 500 million subscribers online, 100 radio stations coast to coast, including the great Z95 in Vancouver, 97.3 Boom FM in Toronto. Um, and of course, you know, online, iHeart, iTunes, uh, Spotify, you know, everywhere. Uh, but people will be watching this and some will be listening. Um, and so for those that are listening and watching today, let's play a track. Again, we're going back years and years and decades to how you used to put a benefit concert together decades ago versus how you put it together today, you know, with the stars in their underwear drinking a beer from home and a guitar and straight out by a Zoom like we're doing here today. I'm going to play a clip of the moderator from that who is just unbelievable. One of the greatest gifts to broadcasting and oration of all time, David Frost. You know, I re-listened to that clip this week of him introducing the, the benefit concert. It just, you know, people spoke English. I mean, they, back in the day, they actually used language and had this etiquette. And it was just amazing to, to hear his voice. So let's play the Earth, Wind, and Fire track. Was that fantasy, Larry? You're going to hear a medley did of uh, September, and that's the way of the world. Oh, one of my all-time favorite. Earth, Wind, and Fires. You are way deep inside today, inside the music. Spencer Proper, Larry Brown, I'm Jesse Dillon. Here's David Frost, and coming up, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Thank you very much indeed, and good evening, and welcome to A Gift of Song. At the beginning of the International Year of the Child, each artist here who you've seen tonight has made a lifetime commitment to the world's children. Some of them have written one special song for the occasion tonight. Some of them have chosen one of their most popular previous compositions. As each of our founder composers turns over the copyright and the future income from the song to music for UNICEF, signing, as you'll see, this particular parchment here as they deed their gifts to the children of the world.
Thank you.